The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. We are in Zoom this time, Zoom style on a podcast. But for our listeners, you probably don't know any difference. So that's great. Today, we are going to talk about some common trends that we're seeing, uh, hearing, noticing on our consult calls with athletes and their parents. So, I mean, we've just compiled um, a a lot of different athletes. Uh, We got a lot of people, you know, scheduling calls with us and we just want to, you know, talk about some of the common things that that we're seeing that, um, you know, are mistakes or just like things people don't know or they're not realizing and not taking advantage of. So just all of these uh, issues that we're seeing happen, we want to talk about it, right? So we want to share that information without dropping names and all that stuff, everything anonymous here. We want to talk about the content, not the people, right? So right. anyways, <laughs> we're going to kick it off. Um because some big time stuff happening with um, sports nutrition, right? Um, mm-hmm. As far as what we're seeing on these calls. So Claire, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? <laughs> yeah. Um, just in general, before kind of naming the specific things I'm seeing, I think everything is just highlighting that there is such a lack of education from a nutrition perspective. And it's, Frustrating, but also kind of sad to see that, you know, some of these athletes are making, again, mistakes that they're probably not even aware of, or they just, they don't know what they don't know. So um, it's difficult, I think, from my perspective, like being on the other side, like, oh my gosh, how could you not know this when, when I was their age, I probably didn't know either. But some of these mistakes that they're making have really easy solutions, which is the good part. Um, so we'll talk about some of those as well, things that athletes can be doing. Um, but some of the common things that I've been seeing, uh, especially in maybe a little bit of these younger athletes is not eating enough. Uh, I would argue that the majority of athletes, if they're not working with any sort of nutrition professional, the majority are probably not eating enough just because they don't realize how high their energy needs are. Um, I think I've probably talked about this before, but I think the common knowledge or the common uh, thought process is uh, from a calorie perspective. Okay. Whatever calories I burn during exercise, so maybe you use a watch or whatever, which those are not hundred percent accurate, but maybe you're tracking how many calories you're burning on a watch and you're saying, okay, I burned a thousand calories. So I have to eat a thousand calories. That is not how that works. Um, that is just what we're burning through activity you still need energy and calories to keep your body alive. So I think we'll reference that energy balance podcast or energy availability podcast that I think we plugged last time too. But if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it because it just, it's a good starting place. I think for every single athlete to understand. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's, it's so foundational, I think to all of our, both of our philosophies and just how we work Mm -hmm. together that you have to know that information really to, you know, move forward from there, you know, uh, but to, to give our listeners a little bit of information here about um, how you're getting these calories type of thing. So mm-hmm. after we've had consult calls or our, our 
clients move into evaluations, right? So we right. Uh, send out questionnaires and our clients from a nutrition standpoint are asked to give a couple of days of like what their normal eating would be. Like what would okay. their be for breakfast, lunch, dinner, any snacks, um, any of that stuff for a couple of days. And that's how Claire is getting that information for calories, mm-hmm. and noticing that they're not getting enough based on, you know, what their goals are and like how much activity they're undertaking already. Plus, I mean, Claire's got the, the super science secret formulas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, she's got the, the BMR stuff happening too. So she's taking mm-hmm. all of that into account, not just what they're doing uh, from an active perspective, but how many calories their, their body is burning to just stay alive and stay functioning. So that, there's a yeah. little background on how she's getting those calories and how she's noticing mm-hmm. that they're not getting enough. Yeah. I've got a pretty expensive, expensive, um, expansive, <laughs> fancy, dancy spreadsheet that I use to calculate that, which is a lifesaver. Um, I don't have to do it by hand all the time, every single time anymore, which is nice. Um, so that I use that information from the assessment to find out what their total, you know, their estimated total energy expenditure would be. And then from there kind of break down and calculate what their estimated like macronutrient needs would be, um, take into account micronutrient needs, their goals, and then kind of put that into basically like an outlined meal plan um, where I have servings in there and then use that to provide them with a performance plate or like just small suggestions. So I don't necessarily give them like a meal plan of you need to have four servings of carbs and two servings of protein and three servings of fat and one fruit and one vegetable at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I don't think athletes learn that way. I think that's more of like, I'm giving this to you. Here's how you interpret it and go along your merry way and eat enough. Like that's not going to make any behavior change or sustainable behavior change at least. So um, yes, I have all that information, but a lot of the times if they're not eating enough, I will use what they've given me, which is another reason why I want what they're typically eating. I'll use what they've given me and make small adjustments to it. And so let's say, for example, for breakfast, they're eating a yogurt. I'll put, okay, what can we add to that yogurt to make it better and make it more balanced? So maybe I'll add some fruit and granola and some nuts or something like that. So that's just one easy example. Um, but the, but that's just you know, that's pretty easy, right? You're already eating the yogurt. So can we throw like two handfuls of other things in there on your way out the door and you're getting maybe like two to 300 more calories, depending on what you put in there. And that's already setting you up for a better day than if you were just going to eat the yogurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, so one thing I, I've noticed in our calls, and I always think about this when we, when we go <laughs> over breakfast stuff, Um, okay. So everyone knows you need to eat, you know, uh, or at least should know you need to eat some type of, uh, fruits and vegetables, right? Some antioxidants, some color on your plate. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, ah, breakfast, you know, not going to have vegetables. You know, I'm just going to have fruit. Well, let me tell you people, it's called the (laughs) omelet. Yes. Or scramble. Yeah. Put some veggies in there with the eggs, you know, load it up. Taste them or a smoothie. Disguise yeah. that stuff. Yeah, there's so there's so many great ways to get veggies in three times, mm-hmm. you know, at, at every meal. So use it wisely. Yeah. 
Actually, you kind of stole one of my things. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I've noticed <laughs> is uh, vegetable intake is not great, but also just um, not in all, all athletes, but we had some calls where the types of foods that are being picked or the likable food list is very limited. So mm -hmm. I think um, part of that is, you know, maybe working with whoever's cooking the food. If it's in younger athletes, maybe it's a parent. Um, so a lot of times I'll try and work with the parents in that sense and figure out, okay, can we maybe cook the vegetables in a different way? Can we put something on the vegetables? So they're more appealing. Can we, you know, maybe get the kids involved and like have them cook it or find a recipe so that they are more inclined to at least try it. Um, but some ways that you can easily incorporate vegetables, like you said, is like make an omelet or like a hash or something where they're kind of in together with other things. So as long as we don't have some sort of like sensory, aversion to foods, that's an easy way to get them in. Um, this may be a little deceptive, but like put them in baked goods, <laughs> like zucchini in like muffins or something like that. You can't taste it. It actually adds moisture to it and makes it, in my opinion, better. Um, and it's, it's a good way to just kind of start introducing that. Um, same thing with zucchini. Like maybe you can put some zucchini noodles in with regular noodles and that way it's like a similar texture and shape. And so it's not such a stark difference. Like if you threw some broccoli in there, um, that might help. And then throw some things, like I said before, throw some of that stuff in smoothies. If you're making like a fruit smoothie or whatever, you know, throw a handful of spinach in there. You literally cannot taste it. Just make sure you don't put it in a see-through cup. If you're not telling the athlete that it's going in there. <laughs> right, right. I mean, but if you put some blueberries in there, those blueberries really take over the color, you know? Yeah, they do. I, I guess from a vegetable perspective, you can't really taste it. If you're putting fruit in there, like fruit is probably going to change the taste of it. But I would argue that from when we're talking about fruit and fruits and vegetables, vegetables are typically more of the issue than than fruits. Usually we can find at least two or three fruits that an athlete will like. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the uh, zucchini and muffins and stuff. It reminded mm -hmm. me of this time. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually made, um, I think I made a, a loaf, right? So, uh, like mm -hmm. actual like zucchini bread, but I didn't want to just have zucchini in there. So I actually grated some eggplant and put it in there Ooh. too. And they were good. Interesting. You know? It didn't, I mean, like it didn't really necessarily change the color or anything. You know, you didn't get that mm -hmm. like, uh, purple skin thing. And I think I was expecting a little more from the inside of the eggplant, but um, mm -hmm. no, I couldn't tell it, it tastes just like zucchini bread, like you normally would, but it was a good experiment for me. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're, they don't have a lot of flavor. So if you're putting it in something, it's yeah. going to, the flavor is not going to change. And the texture is, unless if you like, don't bake the baked good enough, um, those types of things will get mushy enough that you can't really even notice right. the texture. Um, I make these muffins. They're called superhero muffins. They're from, uh, run fast, eat slow cookbook, which was, um, from Shalane Flanagan and one of her friends. I can't remember her last name, Elise. Anyway, they were pretty like popular in the running world. That's like a popular cookbook in the running world. Mm -hmm. And those muffins are great. I think for kids, you can, uh, change the recipe a little bit to make it a little bit more kid-friendly because I'm, I think they're gluten-free. So they're made with like almond flour or almond right. meal. You could sub that for regular flour, or if you need it to be gluten-free, like regular gluten-free flour. Um, 
I think there's nuts. Um, but you can then, obviously exclude if you need it. You to. could exclude, yeah, or you could just chop them up very small so that right. they're not yeah. super noticeable. Or you can pick like pecans or walnuts to where they're, you know, a little softer and they're not as noticeable, I would say. Um, Interesting. All right. You, yeah. you, say, you say pecan? Yeah, not pecan, pecan. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I say it. Yeah. Um, and then it doesn't, I think it calls for raisins, but I always sub the raisins out for chocolate chips. So you could do that too. Um, yeah. So if you're really trying, trying to just sneak the zucchini and the carrots in there, um, you could take the nuts out or you could maybe put like some ground flax seed or some uh, chia seeds. And those are a little less noticeable than nuts um, and then put chocolate chips in there. And so the texture is a little more conducive to like what a kid I think would probably go for or somebody that's, you know, not into a bunch of different textures. And that will be a good way to just start to kind of introduce some of these, you know, more fibrous vegetables. Yeah. Uh, question. I got two questions for you, Claire, based on what you just said. Number one, is there going to be um, a link for the recipe in the um, yeah. description of this podcast? Yeah, right. we can totally right. do that. And number two, how come I've never tried these from you before? Uh I'm working on perfecting them. That's why. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yes. Okay. Once, um, once I have the perfect ratio of regular flour to whatever yeah. the, um, you know, vegetables and whatnot, yeah. then I'll bring some in. Got yeah. it. Got it. Hey, one thing that um, is just from my side that me just kind of looking over, I don't know, just looking into your world when we're working with these athletes that I think is really cool is that, and we've experienced this a couple of times, right? So it's not only that they're getting the information, right, to help them in their sport. It's like some of the kids are um, they're like investing in their grocery time, right? Like at the mm -hmm. store, right? They're, yeah. they're going on their own or with their parents to go and get their groceries based on, you know, what you've given to them and they're investing into that. And it's really kind of cool because it's going to create this appreciation for, you know, doing something for themselves, for their health, right. In a positive way. And um, just a little bit more of a buy-in, I guess, to like, hey, I'm, I'm a part of this. I'm connected to it. It's not just my parents going and doing it and putting it on a plate for me. Like, I'm a part of this process, too. And I, I think that's really cool for habit building, you know, as they go into their life outside of sport or, you know, as adults themselves later down the road. So that's been kind of cool for me to just see from, uh, from the sideline, if you will. Yeah. That's always a cool part for me is when you see or or when you recommend stuff like that. Again, if a kid is having trouble buying into it or, you know, they don't really see the value in it is getting them involved. So like you said, you know, seeing them excited and going to the grocery store and being involved in that process, that's awesome. And that's going to create a lot more buy-in because they understand what they're getting and what they need to get. And now they kind of have a better sense of how to grocery shop. And they, those are skills that they could take with them, you know, when they leave the house or if, you know, their parents are like, okay, I'm not doing the grocery shopping anymore. You're on your own, you know, something yeah. like that. Or the same thing I mentioned earlier, like finding recipes and being involved in the preparing and the cooking process, that's going to create so much more buy-in because they invested their time 
in researching it and preparing it that they're not going to just not try it, right? You have to try it because you made it. And maybe sometimes that makes it a little bit more exciting too. So I I really enjoy that process of it as well um, because I think it just makes it that much more exciting for those athletes. Agreed. And and I watch a lot of um, cooking competition shows and it's- Oh, yeah. And most of the people are like, I grew up in the kitchen cooking with so-and-so in my family, right? So those mm-hmm. things are always cool. Uh, but like you said, to to have that buy-in and be part of it, you know, whether it's at the store or in the kitchen, I think that kind of builds some memories and it just it just does something for you, I think, not on a sports level, but as a human, right? And in, mm-hmm. in your own um identity and kind of forming your own habits and things that you're able to do, like to do. It's, it's pretty cool. Like pretty cool to see. Yeah. Cause nutrition is a lifelong thing. I mean, so is strength and conditioning. So, I mean, if we can instill some of these things when they're 10, 11, 12 years old, I mean, that's going to assist them in high school and college, but you know, when they're living on their own and maybe starting their own family, like it's just going to last throughout their whole life. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay, moving on to the next one. Another oh. big one I see uh, is skipping breakfast. I, I never, I don't think I've ever skipped breakfast in my whole life. I just haven't. It was just a thing in my house. It was, you're eating breakfast. You get ready for school. And then you eat breakfast or vice versa. You eat breakfast and then you get ready for school. Like it was just always a thing in my house. So I think because I've always been accustomed to it, I get hungry in the morning and I enjoy breakfast. Um, I like the way I feel, you know, I have energy to go throughout my day. And that was all before I even really kind of understood nutrition as a concept and a I guess a thing, if you will, um, which now I understand that as an athlete, you know, skipping breakfast is really putting yourself at a disadvantage and kind of digging yourself into a hole because you've already fasted all night when you've been sleeping. Right. Um, so why are we continuing to put ourselves in like an energy deficit when most of these kids are going to school? Uh, so they have to be attentive and they're needing to learn and maybe take tests. Some, some of these kids might have practice before school. So I think the excuse of I don't have time is, it's not an excuse. It's not excusable. You can make time or you can spend time another day, whether it's at the grocery store or prepping something on the weekend to where you can eat it when you do have time in the car or on the bus. Um, I think sometimes people, especially kids get intimidated with breakfast because Maybe sometimes they'll see things on TV where it's like toast and eggs and bacon and pastries and like it's this whole big ordeal and this big thing. And it doesn't need to be as long as there's some sort of protein, some sort of carb, maybe some fats and and maybe some fruit uh, or veggies, like we said. Uh, I'd rather you do like a protein bar than eat nothing at all or like a piece of toast and peanut butter with maybe a banana on the side, then just skip breakfast and say, I don't have time. Um, So I think that's one that I see so commonly that is easily avoidable. The other thing you can do, like there's, there's so much available in the grocery store. Like you could buy pre-made breakfast sandwiches. They're a little bit more expensive because they're already made for you. uh, But that's an option too. You pop it in the microwave. 
um, you can make your own, you know, it doesn't get some English muffins or bagels, batch cook some eggs, slap those on there, piece of cheese, boom, done, wrap them up, put them in the freezer here, you know, you put it in the microwave for a minute, and you're good to go. So um, I think that's one thing that these athletes can can work on a lot. And even non athletes can work on it too. But I just see that as a trend of like, some days I have time and I'll do it. And some days I don't No, we have to do it every day. And you're either it's going to be easy because you have time or it's going to be a little more challenging because we have to make time and find find a window of opportunity to do it. Right. Yeah. Harsh reality of breakfast. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. A Celsius is not breakfast. No, it's not. It's not even lunch or dinner. (laughs) No, or a snack, really. (laughs) Oh, it's not anything, really. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that doing it beforehand, if you feel like you don't have time, like doing it on the weekend, like, I mean, if you have Sundays, people usually have off, right? Unless they're in some really long tournament. But most Mm -hmm. of the time, those things aren't happening late into the night or into the evening on Sundays because there are a lot of travel and people have to go, you know? So, um, yeah, I think making like, uh, you know, we talked about the muffins or whatever beforehand, and then you're you're adding something on the side to that. I I don't know. Um, you know, if you pre bat, like make a batch of eggs, you know, like, uh, Mm -hmm. heat it up or something like that, you know, like I feel like there are easy ways to do it. If you're not like, a I can make it in the morning every single morning. There are ways to do that, right? Like you have one morning at least or one night that you could make something like a, a right. lot. Of right. And if you really, really cannot, um, I'll give you two easy options. School breakfast or buy some granola bars or protein bars yeah. and start there um, because those are two options that you don't have to prep anything for either. Um, if you don't have practice in the morning, most of the time you'll be able to get to school, especially if you ride a bus, you'll be able to get to school by the time breakfast is being served. Might not be the best thing in the world. Um, but if that's your, if that's what you have access to, or if it's that or nothing, take advantage of that. Um, right. If you don't have, if you really do not have time to prep something, get something that's already quote unquote made. Um, so like a bar or like a snack pack, something like that, because you just have to acquire it and then eat it. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. So those are the two, you know, those are the two options you have if you really are strapped for time and you can't prep things. Okay. Yeah. Um, last two, I'll do two more, um, under eating protein is a big one. I wouldn't say that it's as common as the other ones I've already mentioned. Um, I think there are some kids that do a really good job of eating enough protein. I would say that especially guys, um, younger, uh, males tend to be a little bit better with protein. Um, sometimes they're a little obsessive over it, but I think it's just kind of more of a focus for them of, you know, um, is that because they, of society you think? Ah, uh, maybe, but I think, I think times when, you know, if they're like lifting weights at a younger age, they're 
maybe exposed to this idea of protein consumption at a younger age versus sometimes girls are not. Sometimes they are, but I'm just from what I've noticed, it tends to be more of a trend in male athletes that they kind of understand that protein is important and tend to eat a little bit more than girls do. Um, Again, not to say that they're all like that, but that's just the trend that I've noticed. Um, And then I think sometimes protein is just not a huge consumable thing for some athletes because it's not the most palatable. When you think about snacks, most of the time we're not reaching always for like Greek yogurt or cottage cheese or turkey or, you know, like tuna, you know, we're reaching for like goldfish, pretzels, takis, um, candy, uh, maybe fruit. So we're, we're, we tend to reach more for those carb heavy snacks because they're more palatable, but um, that's again, a good opportunity for some of these athletes to get some protein in. So, um, not to say that they can't eat those things for snacks, but adding protein to your snacks can be a really easy way to just bump up your protein intake for the day. Like for example, if you eat two snacks a day and you're getting 10 grams of protein in each of those snacks, that's an additional 20 grams of protein, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then last one is not incorporating electrolytes. Um, this is a pretty big one. I think that sometimes we're able to see athletes like drinking a Gatorade or stuff like that. But I think oftentimes those are misused in a sense of they're just kind of drank throughout the day because they're available versus we're not using them as a supplement or like a a sports aid, which is what they are. So instead of drinking a Gatorade at lunch and a Gatorade at snack and a Gatorade after practice, we probably only need the one after practice or maybe a little before practice and one after practice. Um, I think sometimes these electrolytes go over consumed if they're just available in the house Um, or I see them not consumed at all. And it's just water, 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 water. Gatorade has too much sugar. You shouldn't be drinking that just drink water. Um, So I kind of see those are like the two extremes. And that's typically what I see, especially in these younger athletes um, when really we need that around practices, especially if they're hard practices, especially if we're sweating a lot, especially if it's summer and we're outside. Um, But we need to use them in a way where we're getting the full benefit of the product that we're consuming. So the solution I think for that would be to use it around practices. We're not just consuming it all day long. So we're using it around practices so that we're providing electrolytes and hydration before practice. And then we're replenishing electrolytes and hydration after practice. Um, If for whatever reason we don't want to do Gatorade, there are other options, but Gatorade, Powerade, like those ready to drink things are great because they do have sugar. They have carbohydrates for energy availability and then energy repletion after practice and they have electrolytes. Um, so that was the last one I noticed. Uh, I think, like I said before, there are pretty easy solutions for these things, but I think the the gap or just the missing piece is the education around right. why some of these things are happening and it's not there. It's not common. So, um, that's, that's one thing that I think overarchingly, if that piece changes, I think we can prevent a lot of these mistakes from happening. Right, right. Yeah. 
Um, from my perspective, strength conditioning side, I think I'm only seeing like about three things and I could probably condense that into two things, right? Um, they're both kind of, well, I mean, you're either lifting or you're not right. Or like mm-hmm. training, like focus training, like outside of your skills for your sport or you're not. Um, and then if you are, that person's most likely not certified, not qualified to do that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, that person may be doing the best they can in their situation. However, they don't have all the knowledge. They don't have all the experience needed to effectively run that session all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say there? Anyways, um, it, even if um, that's why most of the people are coming to us, that's what I was going to say. Most mm-hmm. of the people who don't have it or don't have one that's somebody that's certified, that's why they would come to us anyway, because well, we've got the the certified um, strength and conditioning coach on staff, m- me. Mm-hmm. Okay. You. Um, <laughs> yeah. So those are kind of some things you're seeing. And most of the time, if you're in a club, you're in a organi- club organization for soccer, baseball, um, basketball, any of those things, you, you're, you're most likely not training. That's what we're seeing is mm-hmm. those cl- clubs are not training and high schools is where you've got a strength conditioning class, or you've got a coach doing stuff for your team at your high school. Right. So a lot of the times it, maybe it's because of facilities, they, they don't have the space and stuff, but let me just break it down to it this way. This is how I'm seeing it uh, from club perspective. Clubs are focused on one sport, right? There are elements of performance training that they think are important. However, they're not going to invest money, space, and time to do that stuff, right? And the money could include some uh, paying someone on staff to be there, or most of the time they just bring in somebody from the outside to do a session. Uh, more commonly, I've heard once a week, they, they bring somebody in from like a local gym or whatever to do one session or so. Um, and sometimes coaches or organizations are pretty good at like structuring warmups based on proven research about warmups in soccer, let's say, um, mm-hmm. to, to be pretty thorough, right? And to include all the good elements of injury prevention, muscle activation, um, range of motion, all of those things, right? That would get you ready to practice and play your sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't always say that those are going to be run the same way because the coaches are not, they're soccer coaches, right? And maybe they don't understand or maybe they don't care enough to have all those warmups done the same way every single time because of the physical benefits. Or um, maybe the kid couldn't make it to that one strength conditioning or, or training session. That yeah. You know, maybe they can't make it all the time. So now you're just going without it because you can't make it. And it's only offered at this one time, or maybe it's offered during your, you know, during your practice or a time you couldn't make anyways. Yeah. Um, so those are some things that, you know, I've been hearing, but the the clubs are solely focused on sport, which, you know, that's what they have the money for, right? They pay mm-hmm. coaches to coach the sport. It makes sense. Um, from a business perspective, it makes sense, right? Yeah. And then we go to the high school side where the high school has multiple teams underneath it, not just the one, right? And they may be paying teachers to coach multiple sports, right? Um, so they wanted, they're investing in their athletes because their athletes 
could play multiple sports if they wanted to, right? So they are, they're investing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this uh, centralized idea, whereas the soccer club is more so these different pods and branches uh, of the sport. But anyway, so that's kind of why we may be seeing some of the things that we are um, from uh, your training or you're not and where you're getting that training if you are getting it, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, we're there to enhance their performance, right? And so on top of that, what we're figuring out is, okay, you may be training. What are you doing? When are you doing it? You're like, what's the frequency? How long? What are you working on as far as, you know, giving us that information? And then how do we build on top of that or build around that? So I'm not affecting everything that that you're doing there uh, because you're obviously if you're taking a class for strength conditioning, you're going to have to do everything in that class. You're not going to get the grade. So or you'll fail. Yeah. So I'm not trying to mess with your, you know, education per se, as far as getting a grade. Um, I just need to plan around that so I can enhance whatever you're doing in there or um, work specifically towards our goals outside of that. If you're not doing anything, how do I fit it into your schedule, right? So if you are if you go to practices late at night, you don't have access to a gym or maybe you do, but, you know, it's tricky to go from school to home to do your homework to practice. And then like, you know, your schedule is all in flux and it, it's very tightly compact. So how do we figure that out? So um, right. not, not only is it um, are you training or not training, then it's like, how do we train in your scenario? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people are busy um, or don't have access to a different couple of different things. Um, gosh, and then outside of that, it's just are you are you going to do the work really? But I, I haven't seen anyone yeah. to us that feels like they're not going to do that. Obviously, they mm-hmm. they have approached our situation ready to go. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the time is another big one, especially on your end that I've noticed of. Uh, obviously these kids are busy, right? They're in school. They're, they're doing an extracurricular sport. Some of them are multi-sport athletes. Some of them play for their school and their club. Some of them are maybe involved in other things like, I don't know, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, leadership stuff, chorus, band, like they're involved in so much. And I know I was too, when I was in high school, like I was involved in everything. Um, and time is an issue. So I think just from observing some of the recommendations that you've made um, with some of these athletes that are strapped on time. um, I think you do a really good job of, again, kind of meeting them where they're at and saying, okay, this will only take you an extra 20 minutes. You can do it where you are. And as long as you're intentional with what you're doing and you give it max effort, you'll only need to do it for 20 minutes and you'll do that, you know, three or four times a week. And I think that kind of opens their eyes to like, wow, I don't have to spend two hours in the gym or, you know, I don't need a barbell and heavy weights to see progress in this, this specific area. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. Um, what I'm trying to do is, is microdose for a lot of people because they're at practice, you know, four or five times a week. And that's a good time. Their body's already active at that point, right. Receiving some type of physical activity. So that's a great time for me to just you know, get into the the back end of that, work on our goals a little bit, uh, you know, little by little. So um, just trying to create good habits and understanding. And um, I guess the, the next thing, like transitioning into that is 
there's a lot of not a lot there's movement pattern discrepancies right mm -hmm. like tight ankle um like there's really not great dorsiflexion so there's a lot of like i'm on the toes for a lot of things um which is not inherently bad uh, but it just depends on what you're doing so some of the stuff that we're doing it's not re really what we want we want more dorsiflexion um but i'm sorry we want, we want you to have more range of motion in your ankle um not to throw out yeah <laughs> terms like that, but, too many scientific terms yeah yeah so you want to have good range of motion in your ankle uh for sure so you can keep your heel down for some of the things that we do um so um you know just seeing evaluating movements as far as like lifting goes jumping sprinting changing directions you know you everyone's got a good side everyone's got like a not so good side and what does that not so mm -hmm. good side look like and what what is your strategy for both of them and how do we make them a little more equal so that when you are having to make a decision, you're able to make a decision on equal platforms or close to equal platforms. So you're not a step behind somebody who just made a move on you uh, right. in sports. So anyways, I mean, that's kind of just movement pattern um, discrepancies and things like that. Those are, that's another thing we see, but I, I think more so the biggest part for me going back to it was just like, are you training or are you not training? Like, yeah. you know, you have that exposure and then that kind of guides where we go from there. Right. So mm -hmm. I'll ask for that movement assessment regardless and hope that, you know, we can, we can see some good things there or see some things that are easily fixable. Um, but really it, it's that exposure piece. Like, have you been exposed to it? Okay. You haven't. So how do we work with that? So, um, I mean, we've got, you know, age ranges that are from elementary school to late in high school. So um, some people, you know, some of our athletes don't have that exposure. And now I'm giving them something to engage them in physical activity, you know, and, and try to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another challenge, too, is I got to make it engaging. Right. And so yeah, uh, kind of like to throw like little little activities or games or something, you know, at different times to just like, Hey, this is why we've been working on this. Cause it, it happens, you know, in, in this drill or, or, you know, this game. So, um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I've been seeing on my end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that covers it, but, um, yeah, nothing that can't be fixed. I think that's, again, the overarching thing is, um, you know, if we can make, more awareness about these things, obviously from your perspective, you know, they might not have access to lift and that's fine, but they, you know, that's why we're here, right. We're providing that for them to give them that exposure. Um, but I think if there can be a little bit more awareness around some of these things, then right. we can prevent some of these common kind of mistakes from happening. Right. I think that's about it for today's conversation. Um, that's just kind of us, talking about um you know a bulk of our consults and evaluation calls so um i will put the link in for the consult call if you want to schedule so we can talk about how to you know work around your schedule and, and things you like to eat and uh you know make you a better <laughs> overall athlete from a plate perspective and performance perspective you know we, we'd love to do that so the link will be in our description also, the link for Claire's awesome recipe will be in the uh, the description as well. Superhero muffins. There we go. That'll Delish. be nice. Yeah. Um, 
join us next week. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, follow, all that stuff on social media. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we will catch you on the next one. Yeah, see ya.